part six of Warring with the Gods. Today I'm going to talk to you about the God of Pleasure. Uh, this last week, um, after I came home from, from being away for a while, um, uh, my yard hadn't been mowed. It was supposed, there was a miscommunication. It was supposed to have been mowed. Um, and my son had done most of, has done all of the mowing for the last couple years. And we, we mow a good bit to me. And um, I like the stripes and the lines and so on and so forth. And so he, um, he, he, he's gone. And so I'm back on mowing duty. And as I'm mowing, I, I notice something. He lets some parts of the yard that I don't look at regularly, he let them grow up beyond the boundary that I had established before he was given the assignment to mow. And so there are weeds and brush and things that have infringed on my yard in a way that I didn't really appreciate. So I had to do the hard work of like triple cutting some areas. Where are all my triple cutters out there? Like any, anybody that crazy? Like, like, oh man, it just wore me out. And, and it annoyed me, um, but I had to get the boundaries back, okay? Um, that very much serves as a beautiful metaphor for this entire series, uh, some things when unattended in our life will grow up beyond the boundary that we had set if we don't regularly go to God's word and make sure that we're cutting clear to the line that he's established in our life. And so this series is a mowing the weeds back type of series. And so we're, we're doing the hard work of making sure we've got those boundaries in line. And so we've talked about the God of power. We've talked about um, the God of possessions. And today, as we talk about the God of pleasure, I want to make sure you have something clear in your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to go back to when I opened this series. Paul speaking, and this is what he says. Teaching about the cross is foolishness to those who are being lost, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Pause. In other words, Paul's saying, the ways of God to those who are outside of the kingdom of God, they don't make sense. And they're like, this is crazy, this doesn't work. But those who are being saved, those who, who are in the kingdom of God, things change. It is written in verse 19, it is written in the scripture, I will cause the wise to lose their wisdom. I will make the wise unable to understand. Where is the wise person? Where is the educated person? Where is the skilled talker? of this world. God has made the wisdom of the world foolish. Even the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Someone say amen. Um, we give up on God's wisdom and settle for the ways of the world. When we do that, when we give up on God's wisdom and settle for the ways of the world, we give in to the God of power, we give in to Baal. We, we spoke a lot about that. When we trust ourselves more than we trust God and we begin to worry about those things that God has promised, whether or not they'll come to pass, when we, when we trust ourselves more than we trust God, we're giving into the God of possessions. We're giving into God, the God of mammon that we spoke about the last two weeks. Third, which is what we're gonna focus on today, when we follow our feelings instead of our faith, we give in to the God of pleasure. 
First John chapter two, verse 15, and your Bible says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, now he's gonna break down what's in the world. You ready? The lust of the flesh, that's the God of pleasure that we're gonna talk about today. Um, this God is referred to in different cultures by different names. Asherah is the Hebrew. So that's the lust of the flesh, pleasure. The lust of the eyes, mammon, what you possess. And the pride of life, Baal, power, things that are in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world and everything that people want in it are passing away, but the person who, who does what God wants lives forever. In other words, God is saying, your ways won't work. And when you try it your way, if you do it long enough, you'll end up coming back to God's way. And here's the thing, culture changes, God doesn't. I need you to write this down if you're taking notes. Humility is your protection from deception. One writer said it this way in the Old Testament, it's the pride of your heart that's deceived you. We've talked about this, that the Hebrew people were instructed, don't follow other gods. We won't look at those texts, but we have the last few weeks. Don't be enticed by other gods. And I, and I think that what I wanna say to you is this, that humility of heart is what, is what will protect you from being deceived by pride, and that deception of pride looks like this. None of this applies to me. I know several people that it applies to. I really ought to get the audio and email it to them in a passive-aggressive way. But the person that I want to speak to is in the room and watching online and will listen in the future who will be self-reflective and honest about, is there, is there humility present or is there pride? Because it takes humility to receive the things of God. The God of pleasure simply says this. If it feels good, do it. Romans chapter one, verse 21 says this. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things in, excuse me, any, to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Verse 25. Underline, circle, highlight, emphasize. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. What does all that mean? They worshiped and, th they worshiped and served the things God created rather than God. This is the beginning of the God of pleasure 
getting involved in, in our life. Let me give you some examples. God created nature, and so we end up worshiping nature rather than the creator of what we see. God created work, that we're to work with our hands, and then we become workaholics and addicted and love the work rather than the God who gave us the work. God, God created the resources, the silver, the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills, and so we worship money rather than the one who created the system that supplies us with those resources. God, God created sex, and so we worship it rather than the one who created it. God created food for us to have sustenance. And so what we end up doing is becoming so addicted and enamored with food, we worship it rather than the God who gave it to us. It's interesting to me where, I'm gonna go off script, but this is really challenging because two people who've seen my notes have said, Josh, this is way longer than normal, so please pray for yourself that I get through this efficiently. My normal notes are 1,400 to 1,700 words. This week's are 3,348 words, right? So like pray to get the best out of what we have here. Um, but what we'll do is, this is off script. What we'll do is we'll judge the person who's addicted to meth <laughs> or crack or cocaine while all the time we're feeding our own addiction on sugar. Oh, man. We're, we're so blinded to the amount of things that we give into for the sake of pleasure. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna balance this out. But um, people worship freedom and liberty more than they worship the God who created and gave us the gift of freedom and liberty. So the question is, are we going to agree with the Bible on what sin is and what it isn't, or are we going to trust our feelings to be our God? That's really the core of what I wanna say to you today on the God of pleasure. We have a decision in front of us to trust our feelings, which are not trustworthy. Everyone in the room knows this to be true, that feelings are fleeting. You may feel one day about one thing and the next day you may feel completely different. We can shorten that, can't we? We can feel one way about something one minute and another way about the exact same thing the next minute. Why? Because feelings are fickle and they are not to be worshiped. We live in a culture where the God of pleasure has permeated and even infiltrated the church to where we say, well, that's, not, that's just not how I feel about it. As if our feelings are elevated above the truth of God's word. Your feelings will trick you over and over and over again, but God's word is that straight edge in the boundary of your life, and some of you have let the weeds of your feelings encroach in the yard of your life, and we gotta mow those back. I'm just simply trying to say, this isn't just for someone else, this is for every one of us. Sex and sexuality is an interesting situation, 
And I may say more about it next week, but I just want to introduce the, the, the God of pleasure and its, and its trip-ups, its traps. But do a little bit of research on this, and you'll see that many major empires and societies, the cause of their collapse was an obsession with sex and sexuality. I'd submit to you historically the Greek Empire, which Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, which is a Greek city. And there's wild stuff going on in the Greek church. I, I don't know how many kids are in here today, but I, I, need to, I need to say it to you as plainly as I can. In the Corinthian church, there is a stepson in sexual relations with his stepmother, and Paul is having to sort it out in a letter. How many of you would like to write that letter? Like at the, the Roman Empire, sex and sexuality is what became overemphasized, and the people became obsessed with it, and it caused the collapse. Why do I say that? The God of pleasure is not only infiltrating our nation, and has been for years, it's infiltrating the church, and sex and sexuality is being so obsessed over that it's become a firewall for any other discussions because the firewall of a people's feelings is a no-fly zone and you cannot say anything because of a hurt feeling. Can I say something to you? That we have to understand the balance between empathy and empathizing and a person's feelings that are contrary to God's word and not be confused about the two and not be afraid when given a voice to speak the truth in love. Watch with people you have a relationship with. And Facebook doesn't freaking count. Okay, back. Let me give you three lines about pleasure, specifically as it's related to sex, but it covers lots of things about pleasure. Number one, here's the lie. It's only an animalistic instinct. In other words, I have to do it. I'm biologically compelled to have to do it. I'm not a big hunter, but I do know a little bit about hunting from listening to other people. I mean, I live in Licking County, so I, I mean, we've had, we had, we've had folks come to church in their camo after just field dressing a deer and they asked if that was okay and I said, yeah, it's fine, but can, next time, can you just get the blood off so that you don't freak out the kids? Come on, somebody, like, <laughs> help, help me out a little bit. In almost, um, in many cases, what I understand about hunting is this. Deer hunting as an example Does and fawns are less elusive than the buck. The buck grows the big horns because he's learned to be crafty and elusive. Hides. Can't see him. But when hunting, if you are hunting in the rut and you have a call that is a mating call, you will get that otherwise crafty, keen, very conservative and safe buck to just completely abandon 
everything that he knows instinctually. Why? Because sex is on the other end of that call. And many of folks have shot big trophy bucks by convincing the buck that there was a doe that wanted a piece of the action. It's true, right? Humans are very similar in that we will absolutely lose our minds over this. But the reason, I think, that can be given is that you are more than an animal and do not need to give in to your base sexual needs. It's a lie that you just have to give into it. And number two, let me go through this quickly. Three lies about pleasure and sex. Number two, it's an acceptable recreational event to just do for fun. Number three, it's isolated meaning it's contained only in that moment. Let me just tell you something. The, 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 whole, the whole marketing world as it relates to one city in our nation is built on building your life on that what happens in wherever stays there. No, these things go with you all over because sex is not just physical, it's emotional and it's spiritual. And so these things that are attached to pleasure aren't just physical sensations. They are spiritual things. So let me get to the text that I've been driving to get at. 2 Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter three, verse one says this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So Paul is writing to Timothy and he's predicting what the end days will look like. And you just tell me, as I read this, if this does not describe the culture that we live in today. Without even trying, see if you can see these United States in this text. Without even making much of an attempt, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Quite a list so far, isn't it? Watch what he throws in with the rest of it. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let me do a little bit of a deeper dive than normal into, the, into, this, into this phrase in the Greek. The words lovers of pleasure are, trans, are a translation of the Greek word um, Philo donos, which is a compound word of two words, phileo and hedonis. The first word phileo, you've all heard before. Um, affection and love. There, there's, there's several ways in which it can be referred to. You've heard um, Philadelphia is this word, phileo. Philosophy is this word. Philanthropy is this phileo Greek word. 
The second word um, that Paul uses in a compound comes um, from the word where we get hedonism, hedonistic. So what this word actually means when put together is a deep love and preoccupation with pleasure, comfort, and happiness. It's only used five times in the New Testament. Hedonism is the doctrine that pleasure or happiness is the highest good, and addiction to and obsession for pleasures is the way life should be lived. So, here's what Paul is saying. That in the end days, people will have a deep love and affection and preoccupation with comfort, pleasure, and happiness. Above their love for God. I would say that as a group of people in the span of history, probably not been another people on the planet collectively besides us who has lived with more comfort, more resources, and more access to happiness, yet we don't seem to be satisfied. the God of pleasure that's eating us alive. We don't know what it is. So we need to give language to it. We have to expose it. Here's the bottom line. God is more concerned about our obedience than he is our pleasure, comfort, or happiness. Paul wrote that we're to be not lovers of pleasure more than we are lovers of God. Write this down if you would, please. Comfort is not a prerequisite for obedience. So years ago when we were doing the building project, um, I, had an, I had part of my assignment, which was to connect with people and speak to them about the project and asked them to go on a spiritual journey with me, which included them investing their finances. And many of us participated in that financial journey. This was a first for me though, and I hated the idea of it. Pastor friend was doing the exact same kind of project across the country and I spoke with him and I said, hey, are you, are you having conversations with people about the project and how they are going to engage spiritually and will they go on a spiritual journey? And he said, well, um, I, I've thought about it and the group that we've consulted with has asked me to, but I've chosen not to do it. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm leaning towards the same thing. May I ask you why you're not doing this, why you're not having these conversations? Because I was just curious. He said, yeah, it's real easy. I'm not comfortable. And I thought to myself and I said to him, oh, that's the same way I feel. I don't feel comfortable with it, so I'm not gonna do it, okay? Now don't miss how this applies to you because it may not be in a context or setting that you deal with on a regular basis. I went to prayer about it and said, God, I really don't feel like doing this. I'm not comfortable with it. And I don't mean I heard a voice, but I got divine direction back as I was praying, which is always helpful in prayer. Isn't, would you agree with that? Like when you're praying and asking for direction, when you get direction from God, that's kind of a positive thing. Like as believers, 
when we pray, we believe that he hears us, and since he hears us, he's gonna respond to us in some shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, right, like that. Maybe we need to do a series on prayer after this one, but that's how it's supposed to work, that when he's ready, he speaks to you in whatever manner in which he responds, that he wants to. And so, in this case, I was just praying, God, I don't feel like doing this, I'm not comfortable doing it. And I don't mean I heard a voice, but in my heart, this was the response I got. It was in the form of a question. And the question was, since when is comfort a prerequisite for obedience? Listen, if you're waiting to feel like it before you obey God, bad way to build your life spiritually. Because most of the time, you will feel like doing something very different. You will feel and do something very different if you let your feelings and pleasure, comfort is maybe the word because some of you are uncomfortable with the word pleasure, you're uncomfortable with the idea of being addicted to things that are, that are pleasurable to you, you really just don't see how that works. So how often do you spend uncomfortable? Um, I need to say this and I need you to hear it very clearly. It's, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we emphasize, the God of pleasure will emphasize pleasure over following God. God's not opposed to pleasure, but he is opposed to us prioritizing pleasure over obedience. Let me give you some punchy questions that I think are punchy for you to discern this. You ready? Here's some questions to see if you're loving pleasure and comfort rather than God. Do you spend more time posting and scrolling on social media than you do praying? <laughs> Are you willing to rearrange your schedule to accommodate friends and family, but you won't rearrange your schedule when you hear from God? Would you rather go to the lake house or the church house? Will you take off work to go on a guy's or girl's hobby trip, but wouldn't dare take a day off work to go pray? <laughs> uh, has the desire to be entertained taken the place of your desire to worship. Leonard Ravenhill has a brilliant quote when he says this, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. The more joy you have in the Lord, the less entertainment you need. I need to say it again, God is not opposed to pleasure. He is opposed to us prioritizing pleasure over him. Let me give you three problems with pleasure. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2.10, it won't be on screen, but here's what I believe Solomon penned. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure my heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, 
everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Solomon, the man with hundreds, literally of sexual partners, many say the richest man and wisest man to ever live. I have a problem with the wisest man who ever lived part if he had that many wives. That doesn't seem real wise to me. It seems like a tough chore, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> he said, all of this was meaningless. I tried everything and did everything under the sun, but it was all meaningless. Pleasure makes big promises but delivers small results. When we look and make decisions, we expect pleasure to fulfill us. So we say, it's not just vacation. We buy into the idea of an experience of beauty. It's not just shopping when we go buy things. The God of pleasure gets in and says, when you get that new cologne, perfume, shirt, dress, pants, shoes, you're not just getting new stuff, you're gonna become a new person. It's not just sex that I'm participating in, it is the promise of being loved that we expect in return or to be valued. Think, think of advertising. They don't sell us products. They sell us experiences. And if we're not wise, we will give in to the idea of the promise that this thing will bring pleasure and that pleasure will fulfill me. Here's the first thing that I want you to write down as we close. The lie or the problem with pleasure is this. It doesn't satisfy. Pleasure doesn't satisfy. Solomon in Ecclesiastes said it's like, it's like chasing the wind. It doesn't satisfy. You know, I've, I've talked to lots of people over the last nearly 20 years of pastoring, and you would probably be shocked at some of the conversations that I've been invited into in the privacy of my office. It absolutely boggles the mind. Um, a long time ago, let me just give you an example of this, and they're sexually related. There's so much of this that, that as, a, as church, we're just ashamed to talk about or we're afraid to discuss for whatever reason, and I just don't wanna be afraid to discuss these things with you because I wanna lead you to a better way whether it's in the confines of a marriage or you're single or whatever, whatever the scope is, this matters. I was in a, I was in a counseling session and um, it was with a, a man and a woman and they were having problems in their marriage and the man confessed in my office to his wife of turning tricks as a male prostitute in exchange for drug money because he was so addicted to this. This was a total shock 
to the wife, I thought I was gonna have to call 911. I'm not even joking. I thought she was gonna kill him in my office. It's intense. Like there's real things going on. I've heard conversation after conversation. There's not meant to be any condemnation in anything I'm saying. There's, there's meant to be life so that you see these pleasures that we chase, they do not satisfy. You know, I've never met a single individual who's ever said to me, you know what, Pastor Josh, you know what I wish I would have done? I wish I would have had more sex with more people. Nobody's ever said that to me. Nobody's ever said that. Why? Probably lots of reasons that are beyond the scope of the time that we have today. But I'm saying that if the church and we are not confident enough to speak about this, we're going to be dominated by it. And if we don't speak to our kids, and now I'm getting ready to have my kids have kids, and to speak about these things plainly, and to hold a standard with our families, where we say to our kids, hey listen, God's standard is that you don't have sex before you're married. Preserve yourself for the one that deserves you. And to champion, champion that. Now that's not to say that if we didn't live up to that standard, we cannot be accepted by God. We can be made new creatures and ask for forgiveness and get grace in time of need. Is that true? We can get that grace. But listen, I'm out of time. And I've got like 1,800 more words. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. And I guess what I want to say is this. If you, if you are upset over people's sexuality, I just say it this way. If you're more upset and offended at homosexuality than you are of people who are not married having sex outside the confines of marriage, you're a hypocrite and you need to make an adjustment in your thinking because both are wrong in God's eyes. It's true. It, I, and I, I, I didn't, I appreciate the support, but I came here fear and trembling, knowing that I wouldn't get all kinds of support because the truth is not meant with cheers. It's meant with resistance often. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. If it will serve you and help you to see what is truth, it's just annoying to me that the church picks on homosexuality and there's people, maybe not necessarily here, but in the church as a whole, just sleeping around with anybody they want to, thinking it's an isolated event and it doesn't matter. And I need you to understand, it matters to God and you are warring with the God of pleasure and I'm just telling you at the end of all of that, it won't satisfy. Maybe it's not for you, but maybe it's to strengthen your belief as you're raising kids and supporting kids or grandkids. Listen to me, if you think that this does not apply to you, you are asleep at the wheel and unaware of what's going on in the culture around you. And it's time to wake up and look at that and have, and have answers and standards, not that you hold it to the world to. Listen, do not judge people who are disinterested in obeying the Bible to the standard of obeying the Bible. They're not trying. How about this? 
How about we hold ourselves to the standard of what the Bible says and start there and forget about the speck in their eye and worry about the two by four in ours. I know that, I know that you may feel that I'm coming at this strongly and I am. And don't confuse conviction with condemnation. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from self and the devil. Conviction is a spirit-inspired motivation to change. 1,643 more words to go. It doesn't satisfy. Pleasure often contradicts within us. That's number two. The pursuit of pleasure is full of frustration and futility. And third, in the, in the end, um, we all die. Why would I say that? Because you can try, for, try all you want for pleasure, but in the end, you'll never grab it. It's like trying to grab the fog and the mist in the morning. You never capture it. It's like chasing the wind. You're never gonna get it. So what's the solution? <laughs> it's next week. Truth, <laughs> honest, it's next week. But there is a solution. Let me give you a taste. Jeremiah 6, 16. This is a very strong verse. It'll be on screen for you. This is what the Lord says. Stand where, where the crossroads and look. So stand at the fork in the road in a place of decision and watch. Ask where the old way is, where the good way is, and walk on it. If you do, if you walk in the old way, if you walk in the way that God has given, you will find rest for yourselves. But they, many have said, we will not walk on the good way. I set watchmen over you and told you, listen for the sound of the war trumpet. We're warring with the gods. But they said, we will not listen. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, Everyone all over this blue marbled planet has a chance to listen because God has sent trumpeters all over this planet to say, here's the standard. Walk in the way that God has given. There'll be life in it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue we learned last week. God sets before us two paths, life or death, blessing or cursing. And in case we don't know the answer to the multiple choice dilemma, he says, therefore choose life, which is a resistance of comfort, pleasure, and happiness. Listen very carefully. I need you to get this part. I said it once, but it bears repeating. Pleasure isn't bad, just like money isn't bad. Money isn't the root of all evil. The love of it is which is when we use our love or our desire or our compulsion and obsession with money and put it over our walk with God. Pleasure just is the same way. Pleasure isn't bad. The thing that God is guarding against is, are you putting pleasure over me? Are you seeking comfort more than you're seeking the creator? Are you seeking happiness more than you're wanting to honor God in every area of your life? 
the warring with the gods has come down to honoring God with your time and energy, overcoming the God of power by honoring God with the Sabbath. The God of possessions is overcome when we honor God with our resources and the delivery system of freedom there is the tithe and generosity. We've looked at that quite a lot over the life of our church. And honoring God with your body is the solution to overcoming the God of pleasure, which we're going to look at next week in part in the Beatitudes when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because those are the people that'll be filled. Pleasure sells the lie of fulfillment, but the kingdom delivers on the promise of you being satisfied in full and has nothing to do with your level of comfort, happiness, or pleasure. The kingdom of God is much greater than how we feel. It's greater than our feelings. So, can I pray over you? Let's pray together. Father, it's absolutely clear that self-centered living does not produce happiness. And as believers, we've been commanded to live according to your standard for our life, the law of love, and love never seeks its own. If there's anyone in here that you feel, which is maybe a bad word to use after I've just said what I've said, but if you sense, you know, you've realized, you're experiencing conviction, just repeat this after me in your heart quietly. If it's you, Father, I repent right now. For each time I've been more focused on doing what resulted in comfort and convenience for me rather than that which produced obedience to you. Today I make a fresh commitment to deny myself, pick up my cross, and to follow Jesus as my example in everything. Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, I ask you to open the eyes of my understanding. Teach me how to truly seek your kingdom first and not my comfort. To pursue your holy ways instead of momentary pleasures. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.